His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. I watched a movie called Little Women. It was a new one on PBS. It was so good. It made us cry. But <coughs> saying all that, it's Little Women. And, uh, but we were watching, and they were going through hardship of the Civil War. And uh, w- that made us cry because the family's trying to make ends meet while dad's gone at Civil War. And it's just, oh, you know, and a girl gets engaged and has to send him off to war. And, it, you know, it's just like we haven't had to walk in that. And, Ron, we had heard a word that what others have won for you. When you have generations go before you, they've won. They've done the battle that we can live in peace. And so I just was thinking about that, and I thanked God for our veterans today, and then I thought about Jacob, and I thought, we have asked the Lord for the hearts and souls of this county. We want the children. We want the youth. And, you know, I got it prophesied again. They were coming. They were coming from all over, and I'm like, God, then show us what to do. Show us how to do it. Show us what to do. Give us, give us uh, ways to do that. This church is an apostolic church. We move in the apostolic as well. We're always on the cutting edge of moving, and we want the heaven, but we're also a very prophetic church, and it's incredible to me watching these kids come into the school of ministry, and they already have learned to see by the Spirit. They already have. Audrey, Audrey was came up to me in the bathroom on Thursday night and gave me a word. And it was exactly what I was going through and what God was saying to me. And I thought, these kids don't have to go through the mind thing of, oh, I've got to, what's everybody saying around me and what do I got to think? I mean, they already are getting it from here. And so this church moves in that prophetic realm, and you all do. You all do. I mean, I, every prophecy I ever get from any of you, it's just from God. And so I want to thank the Lord that he has a shifting, moving work going on on the earth and that we are a piece of that. Um, I'm, I tried to just, uh, there was so much that happened, and I tried to take notes of what was going on. And... Um, one of the confirmations, and you guys saw some of these pictures. I do not take pictures anymore. For one, I didn't have a, I didn't have a phone that was charged. But on top of that, they're always blurry and ugly. And nobody ever wants to see them anyway. Because <laughs> they're so bad. Well, Ron looks through the blur. He don't mind it. But <laughs> I'm just like... Um, anyway, saying all that, I had shared about the vision I'd had and then what had happened in the Destiny Stone. And then we went to a cathedral. Again, this is an apostolic place where this man moved in signs and wonders and miracles. And he was known as that. And he sent apostles out all over Europe from this area, from this cathedral. Well, this cathedral was where he was situated. And right there in the th- cathedral, they had his tomb right right in that place. And there was that plaque on the wall. And this was after I'd already walked through a, the Destiny Stone and several of those things. And there was that plaque on the wall. And th- one of the leaders, and I don't even know how she remembered that my son's name was David, but she said, Teresa, look behind you. And there behind me was that plaque, and it said, David McNeil, the one who enabled worship to go on in that place for all those centuries. And you know David was a worshiper on earth, but it was like, oh my goodness, there isn't anything lost in the kingdom. 
whatever you've given, and I felt like the Lord told me in this season, you give things that maybe you felt were taken away from you. You have a choice to give them. And I didn't even realize that. And he said, make it an offering. And he said, and when you make it an offering, do you, after you give an offering, go, man, I wish I hadn't given that extravagant uh, of a gift to the Lord? But things that have been what I would have called felt like robbery sometimes. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm giving it. I'm going to give it as an offering to you. Because he says he wants to repay it a thousandfold. And for me, it's been sons and daughters. It's been children. And I'm going, okay, then bring all the youth in. And I had a dream when I came home, and I dreamed that we were gathering youth. And I looked out a window, and all these youth were still coming. And I was hoping we weren't going to crack the foundation of this building because we were dancing. And I was just like, God, you're going to do what you want to do. Just make us strong and courageous to facilitate whatever it is. Just, just make us those people. So saying all that, I'm just going to tell some of the miracle things that happened. And this one was a, a, a miracle thing. The first time I went to um, England, we went to Smith Wigglesworth's church. Smith Wigglesworth uh, went out all over the world. He was an apostle. He was called the apostle of faith. But he went out all over the world. But he had signs and wonders and miracles. And he didn't, but, I mean, he's the one that threw a, a dead baby up against the wall and it lived. You know, I mean, the guy was, the guy was just, he knew what he was supposed to do. And he was not afraid. And he had signs and wonders and miracles happen all the time. It broke open in England, and he went all over the world. So we went to his church four years ago, and it was covered with beer cans. It was covered with debris. The Muslims had come in and gathered around that. Uh, the whole area was just dark, and it was dangerous, actually, to be on that street. And this is a truth. Every place God has once moved... Every place becomes a place of witchcraft and lots of satanic worship. And the Muslims come in and they want to take they want to take the Temple Mount. They want to take the dark places, okay? So this place was like that. These places have had revivals that would affect the whole world and in would come this dark stuff. Well, that's what's happened when I was in Scotland. What we were doing was retaking those wells because that is what had happened there, too. And um, there had been others before us. Chuck Pierce had had a big group right before we went. And um, Kathy Walters had had another group. And there has been a lot of them having a call to go open the wells up of, of the apostolic and the wells of revival. So we go to Smith Wigglesworth Church. And I already know what it's going to be like. And they're like, um, you can get out if you want to. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I can see it from here, you know, kind of thing. <clears throat> but I got out, and it was all cleaned up. And somebody had painted the doors, and the whole thing was cleaned up. And I was there with a couple, and um, this couple... Uh, I ended up ministering to him, but this couple had had a really hard situation, and he would blow the shofar. Well, he played it like a trumpet, and this is not to demean any of our shofar players. I said, you just got to come and be with them. They would love it. But, I mean, he plays it like a trumpet. I mean, he just does. So he started playing Amazing Grace out, and I said, Scott, play the trumpet. I mean, play your shofar. So he started playing Amazing Grace out in front of this church, and the door opened. And that was a, ma a miracle in itself. It's all under construction inside. 
And this man goes, I don't even know why I'm here today. He said, it's my daughter's birthday. I'm a pastor from southern England, and I did not ask for this assignment of this church. He said, one day I was worshiping in our church, and I was transported right into the middle of this building. And I didn't even know where I was at. And I'm standing there, and the Lord began to give me a prophecy that God was going to open that well again, and revival was going to go out to all of Europe through that area. And, I mean, he's, he's telling us all that, and he said, I don't know why I'm even here, but would you all want to come in? So we came in, and he shared what had happened to him, and then we prayed over him. We prayed over the, the area. It's still, it's still not... Uh, you know, they're working on trying to get it reconstructed. He's got a lease and favor from the Muslims, but they're thrilled about the light that's coming into the neighborhood, and they don't understand it because people will drive by and pray, and he doesn't they don't understand, but he's been granted great favor, and the Lord told him he was going to end up having that building. So saying all that, uh, you know, I was at this point just kind of quiet, and we got to the end, and the Lord said, prophesy over him. And whenever I prophesied on this trip, it was like an explosion would happen. And, and so I was a little bit, you know, and, and it did. It happened. I started prophesying over him. He was a David against a Goliath, and he was going to win. And he flew. <laughs> I mean, I saw it happen over and over again, and I'm like, he flew to the ground and, and began to wail and groan, and I knew that God was doing something. And he said, you, you aren't going to believe it, but that's the words that God gave me and spoke to me that day. And, and I had asked the Lord, Lord, we've been faithful so many years. Like Jacob, we've been faithful. We've, you know, it feels like things have been hard to move, and, and, and we've even had loss. And so it's like, Lord, all these years. And he said, great authority is being given to you in this hour. He said, just, just walk forward, great authority. And everywhere I went from that point on, they would say, whoa the authority that happens when you, when you speak and you pray. And, and they just started calling me up to do, th to do that. But saying all of that, uh, this was an amazing miracle. Well, this couple, um, he had play, played the chauffeur over there. Well, we went to, went to Smith Wigglesworth's grave. And, um, you know, because it's a place of honor, you know, there is a residue of honor. It's not not weird. It's just that we were honoring who he is. It's a well. It's a person that we honor. And while we were there, Scott said, I want to I want to play the shofar over you. And I had felt weary, plus I was dealing with infirmity, but weary just over the past season. And he began to play that shofar, and I felt like everything inside of me began to break up. And I just felt like all the hardness. And I, somebody gave me a word. There had been, I think it was Callie, there had been hardness, but now the Lord has broken all that hardness up. And I felt that. And when I got all done, I said, whoa, you've got a healing gift in that shofar. And I'm praying for them now. And he had watched his son, 19-year-old son, commit suicide right in front of him. And both of them, only two years before, both of them did not know if their marriage was going to make it. They did not know if they were going. And, and here God was using that. And, and they, they were both like the whole time just letting me 
pray over them and encourage them. And so that was just a, uh, it was just an amazing thing that had happened. It was just, it was like that the whole time. It was like um, miracle upon miracle. And, and I never, I, I can't ever tell you I felt good. I had to press past. I didn't, didn't feel good. You know, I'd already taken a wrong antibiotic to take another antibiotic that made me sick. And I was like, okay, this is really fun. Anyway, we went to Scotland. And that's where um, the Scot Scottish church that we were in was 500 A.D., and you had to cross an island, and if anybody saw it on Facebook when we were driving through water, you had to cross an island. The winds that day were 50 miles an hour. It was like to even walk out there. But anyway, uh, we went to the church, and we had a miracle again because it's a public place where people go all the time. And we ended up having a worship service there all by ourselves, and nobody was there. And we began to declare and, and that God was opening the apostolic centers again. And this one, this church was 500 a A.D. It was one of the very oldest. that, And they were an epicenter of what had happened in all those other areas. The other thing that had happened was there was people from all over the world on the team. And we had... Um, a couple of guys. One guy, he had been at Bethel School for eight years, or he had, you know, he had done internship, and now he's in Germany, and he's starting a movement. He said, "You got to gather the fathers," and so he's working on honoring the fathers. And he had a young man, and this is crazy. His name was, um, back on, just a minute, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I like Daniels. Anyway, he, his name was Daniel, and. He had been watching YouTube, and his life, he was just into drugs and a mess, and he had been watching YouTube, something on YouTube, and it was someone giving a testimony, and he said, I want that, and something began to happen and shift, and I said, Daniel, how did you come to the Lord? because it's a hard place, Germany. And he said, yeah, he said all his friends were partiers, and, you know, and he began to share that. He was 24. He'll be, it's actually Ethan's age. He'll be 25, too. And I, I like sons. But anyway, and so he started sharing that he'd come to the Lord on the Internet, and then here comes Chad in from Bethel, and they started a school, and they've got a, it's not real big, but they started a sc school again. So I had ones from there. I had ones from um, Canada. They were just from England. Anyway, so we're in this group, and they're all singles, all of them. Now, I, I want you guys to hear something about the move of God. They're all singles, and they don't know why, because none of them want to be that way. I mean, they have a cat or a dog that they go home to, and they're lonely. And, and so I begin to talk to them, and I said, and I'd already had, and I'm going to share it. I don't know if I'll have a women's conference or, I'm just, or if I'll share it, and you men have to hear it too. But I know that God has spoken a word to me about women and their destiny. And, and in the garden, 
the thing that man had was he was going to have to plow for his money, right? I mean, that was the big issue that God said to the blessing of Abraham, I don't want you plowing for your money. I'm going to bless your money. I'm going to multiply. So in Christ, men work on finances. Well, women do too because we're all in Christ, neither male nor female. But the thing that was taken away from the women in the garden was the ability to, and, and the scripture said this, it said, you will travail and have sorrow in producing the generations. That is actually what, it's not just childbirth, it's the generations. It's a generational work. Okay, in the Old Testament, think about Abraham. Abraham dis, dishonored women. I mean, his wife was... was uh, given to kings a couple of times. Thank God nothing happened. You know, women were nothing. It wasn't until Jesus came that women were given back the ability to have generations. And, and I don't, the King James Version of that is that they'll be saved if they have babies. That is not what it's saying. They will be saved and they will be given victory to produce generations. And no longer will it be a sorrow and a trial to the women, but to produce generations. Okay, so we got abortion in America. And so what is that? That's a sorrow of the womb. It's a sorrow for the men too, but it's a sorrow of the womb. It's a sorrow of generations. And so now we've got a major disconnect of male and female like crazy. Identity disconnect, disconnect like crazy. So these are, these are all, well, it was probably from 38, 39 years old all the way down to the 20s. And all of them are in the same place. And they can't find young men or young women with godly mates that want to be godly, that want to walk with the Lord. And, and I had just done all that study, and I said, this is wrong. You know, I told her about how long we've been married, and I said, we've got as many men in our church as we do women. And they said, you are kidding me. I said, no, we've got powerful fathers powerful men who know what they want in their families and I said and we got women that walk right along and they said do you know how unusual that is do you know how and I thought here we've had abortion since 73 when we got married and I said Lord it's time for this thing to end it's time not just that they can't find mates but godly mates who want to raise and i'm going to tell you our number one call as women no matter what is to raise generations it's to raise godly offspring and in america we have destroyed that picture it's like oh we got to worry about the money now we've got to go get our jobs now we got to and i'm not saying it's not wrong it's wrong for women to go do that but i'm telling you we didn't have any money and i'd say jesus i need money because my kids are here and and I want to be home with them. And I'm going to tell you, it's only a short time. It's only a short time you have your children home with you. I mean short. Do you know I have more time now with Ron and our marriage than I did when I had my kids at home? That's how fast it is. 25 years I've not had little ones in my home. I don't like it. I like church. I like all your babies. I really do. Once, once a mama, always a mama. Once a grandma, always a grandma. But I'm telling you, that's what I saw. And, and so they said, would you pray for me? And they were all weeping. We were on the bus and they were saying, I said, then we got to see the end of abortion because th this curse has got to be broken over generations. And this is a thing over the woman's womb. Do you understand that? This is a woman curse that has happened to us. 
Now, I'm not saying that men aren't responsible too, but it's just like women can help men with finances. But the, but the shoulders of caring for the home comes to the man. It just does. It's life. It's the way God made it. And he wants blessing in all those areas. But he wants Eve's to rise up and see generations. He wants that. Do you know that all the moms that stay home every day with their little ones and teach them about Jesus, he wants that. We were at, this, we were at some of the churches, and the children were in the service. I'm watching because I'm watching. You know, are we, are we getting out of style now that our children are in the church? You know, I mean, that's what we wanted. But although we've, we've connected with three or four Bethel churches now we're in the area, and they've all got their children in the services. So I was like, oh, good. But I said, you know, I want to know. I was at a church, and we were doing the children's church, and I was ahead of it. And, and we went in, and they, wa- they were watching some video for almost an hour. They had Kool-Aid and cookies. They played, played, played. They had Legos. They had all this stuff. And then we had to send them, set them down and try to get to talk to them. And, and here we were doing a fire tunnel out in the other room with the kids. I mean, with all these adults. And I said, can't we just get the kids and take them out? They'll love this fire tunnel. I said, everybody will want to lay hands on them. And then I talked to some parents, and they were sitting there, and all their kids were playing video games during church the whole time. And she said, yeah, I have to beg them to come. They don't really want to come. And I told that to Haley, and Haley says, you know what it is. If there's not worship in the home, they're not going to want to come to church and worship. I never had my children not want to worship Ever. I never had them say, oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to worship. Ever. They would do dishes and worship was playing. They worshiped all the time. I'm telling you, it's a culture God wants of heaven. Anyway, all the other churches had children in the church. And, of course, Georgian loves that. He was taking videos in one of the churches. And, I, and, and honestly, our kids minister. Okay, it's just as me. Better than any I've seen. Okay, this is me, that's me, okay. And Georgian actually said, our kids are amazing, so okay. But saying all that, they were dancing, and they had free expression. He got his video camera out, and he was videoing them. And I, so I went to him, I said, hey, how do you get your kids to just move? You know, not just stand there, but move while they worship. And they said, oh, we just work on it. We have free expression times where we just express while we, while we worship. And every church I went to that was on fire had their children in the service. And it was a confirmation to me. You know, you can have video games, moms. You can have all those things. And that takes time. But it isn't the face-to-face of I want to talk to you. I want you to know. I only am going to be here a short while. You're going to move on. I want to give you that. I saw that in the church, and I was encouraged in that. And they all prayed for me because I said, you know, we just, you know, some of them have wanted, you know, care during the service. And, you know, so we've tried to work on teaching to sit still. And they said, oh, that's good. Just keep going. Just keep going. And it was just, it was just a good word to me. Because, you know, as a pastor, Ron and I were like, you guys, we're getting older. I know you haven't noticed that, but we are. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to move with the spirit and the shifts and the changes. Now, if we're Bethel, you've got a whole 
team of, uh, that can go in there and have a regular service. Those kids get regular services. Well, we aren't like that. <laughs> we're not Bethel. <laughs> we're, we're who we are. Anyway, that, those couples and those kids, I prayed over them, and I felt something break. And different ones came up and said, I felt like something break. And what I felt was that God was going to awaken hearts of men and women to want to do the first command God ever gave us, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. Do you know the Muslims know how to take dominion? They have big families. Japan doesn't have any anymore. The, the older generations, all they've got, they've lost their workforce. You guys, we're, we have a call from God that will always be the word of God. We do. Okay, so saying all that, he also has all kinds of gifts. You know, Zach had shared with me his call and heart for music. I pray that he goes to the top in that. You know, we need to take the seven mountains. That's who we are. That's, that's who we are, and that's, that's what I want to see. Okay, I want to I wanna quick, quickly go to, oh, I got to tell one, the Georgian dream, too, that I'd had. Um, we were on the bus traveling, and we, it, the waves were 10-foot swell, so we couldn't go to this island, which was an original island of where they had sent the apostolics. So they had the bus traveling along the shores. And so Richard asked me to share our journey in revival, our journey in, in, in the cry. So I got up and I shared about Ron's heart report, that his heart is working right, and just our stand over the cancer and just where we're at. Of, and, and so then they asked me to pray for the USA. Well, it was powerful. It was powerful. I mean, the whole bus was praying for the USA from a, uh, an apostolic area that God would break open and bring revival and bring change across our nation. So I was just like, oh, and then they, then they asked me to begin to release miracles. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm like, I mean, I, I get the intercession, but I thought, okay. And the whole bus exploded I mean like I saw that one man and the other ones it was like BAM and they all fell out and 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 then I couldn't walk back to my seat so I'm crawling on the floor and finally I'm just laying there and they began to prophesy over us it's never just me you guys I'd, I don't ever even see myself as there alone I see this group that I am in love with and love and that I know your lives and I know the riches in you and I know who you are and I see you all there I see you all with your feet on that ground and and they began to prophesy and they saw uh revival over our land in freedom and they go no it's got to be freedom because they saw that I was from freedom I said well we have a church in Spencer you know and, no it's got to be freedom so I don't know we're we're just we're going okay they saw a school of harvest over fam and they saw families coming together and working together they saw a revival center and I mean they're just declaring all this and they said and God is going to release this family anointing over the nation and through us a family anointing 
anointing, that we carry that to release it. So you guys, you've got the words to say. You've got something to give to say that. Anyway, I had had a dream also because uh, Georgian began to prophesy too. He prophesied children coming home. He prophesied that uh, uh, this revival and this awakening in the U.S., that it was going to be not only families restored, but a restoration to, of great unity of generations. And he began to declare that. He said the millennials were created for love and no judgment. God has called them to be the glue in the middle of this huge movement. And God has put this anointing of love on the millennials. And I'm going, Lord, let it explode in them. And no no judgment honor coming because it's hard to be the glue in the middle it's hard to be okay we got this going on and we got this going on but father give them that love that's beyond so he began to talk talk about that and then of course he'd been saying the older generation has has been freed of judgment and is embracing sons and daughters and i'm going to tell you the older you get the more you can be judgmental and god's going no more no more so Anyway, saying all that, I had had a dream where Georgian had um, bought our dollar store. And it became totally white and enlarged, and it was huge. And we were ministering to families. And we were ministering and helping families out. We were passing out bread. There were husbands and wives. There were children. And then I had had a dream. And, and so he's, he's, he doesn't know this because I didn't tell him. He goes, yeah, I can see you guys having a bed and breakfast in places, uh, you know, a revival center where people can come. And, you know, he's telling me that. And, and, I, and I thought of the Smith Wigglesworth um, dream that I had where we had a huge restaurant where we served out Smith Wigglesworth food. All of these words, and Haley, I, I, I know you didn't know what I was going to share, but all of these words are words that have been given for years and sealed upon us. And these people don't know us. They don't know who we are or what we're doing. And yet they're speaking exactly the same words. And I'm going, God, you fulfill your word. Don't let us lose hope. Keep us courageous. So anyway, <clears throat> I think that was, um, this next season has to take the seven mountains. And I believe that, yes, we have an uh, apostolic church, but it needs to cause growth in all of you in what you're called to do. Whether it's farmers or whether it's businessmen or whatever it is, there's got to be a growth and if it's in, in being a mother, then it needs to be growth of other mothers. It needs to be that there's an enlargement of vision coming. You know, God has to do all of that. So anyway, we, I finally got to D.C., and I hadn't been able to um, download, and so I was kind of downloading, and then Ron came, which I really missed him, and I was really glad to see him. But I wanted to tell what I saw at D.C., we got there, and I knew we were to be there, too. And here, com coming straight from Scotland, I just, I just knew. And they got up the very first night, and it was generations again. And they had linked arm in arm uh, at least three. They said it's going to take three at least. And it was leaders of churches, and it was their 
the older ones, the, the middle ones, and the younger ones. And they all linked arms like this. And they were up on stage, and they started praying. It was black and white and Hispanic. It was no racist. There was n I, this is a black church, actually, where we were at, but there was no racism, no nothing. It was just this favor of unity. And we were sitting there watching that. I mean, I was just like, oh, my goodness. And they all began to pray. It was like heaven fell. And Ron and I are just like, I mean, it was, it, you know, you, you ever feel like you're floating in the words of the prayer? It was like, yes, God, in this nation, in this hour. And so we had that, and then Leif began to, to share the next day, that night and the next day, and he said this is a move of family because the worship mountain or the church mountain and family mountain are co-joined. They are two mountains, but they're co-joined. Because you can't have family without God. And you can't have God without family. And so he began to speak about that. And he said, this is a family movement, not one generation, but all uniting in love. You guys, this is something we've not seen. Only God can do it. This is an end-time harvest. And the USA has a huge destiny in it. A lot of these ones that spoke were not from the United States, but had come here. Georgian got up and shared the same way, weeping at the banquet, because he grew up in a communist nation. And he said, you don't understand what's been given to you. Anyway, and then um, Patricia King had, had uh, talked about the things that we needed to do. Well, this was one of the this was one of the words with um, I think it was Leif that I wanted to read. Jesus said, "There's a great cost for anyone to enter the narrow, narrow doorway to God's kingdom realm. I tell you, there'll be many who want to enter but won't be able to. For once the Father shuts the door, it will be too late. You will beg the Lord to open the door, and He'll say, I 'I don't know you. You don't know me. You aren't part of my family.'" And that's what it said. You're not part of my family. That's why we've got to go out and invite people to come in and be part of the family. This was the warning. When Papa gathers his family to worship kingdom love and the word, and you are never there, your family connection is weakening. No, and deception comes in, and you can stop knowing him. There's been a deception go out. You know, we don't want to be religious and say you ought to be in church. But there's been a deception go out across the land that you can be on your own through a TV or whatever. Daniel said, I wouldn't have survived if Chad hadn't come. Yeah, you can hear a gospel message over the TV. Glory to God. Or YouTube. Anyway, it said it when family worship and the kingdom, love, and word are there, and you're never there. Your family connection is weakening, and deception comes in, and you can stop knowing him. Jesus said, I only do what I hear him say. When family gathers, we're gathered. He speaks. He speaks. He's saying, have courage. He's saying, I mean, all these words, when family gathers, Papa says, get up and move again. Um, when we went to the gala, that was the other thing that happened. Um, it, was an, it was an incredible night, but Lance Walno shared, and he said, 
the move of God is going to happen like this. He said, you're going to have revival that is ground swelling. That's that tsunami that's coming. And he said, it's going to come up, and it's already beginning to raise up everywhere. He said, but, but if the seven mountains aren't taken, and we're not talking just government here. It's not political. He says, I will not talk political parties. He said, if, <coughs> if they're not taken for the kingdom, you will not have a change in your culture. You'll have a groundswell of people getting saved and like the Jesus movement, then it will go down. When culture's changed, abortion has ended. Families are restored. Georgian particularly <coughs> prayed for the end of divorce. He was so broken over that. He asked how many had come from divorced families. He asked how, I mean, it was huge, and especially in the older generation. People don't know how to stay together. They don't understand that. He said, it's hard. He said, I never even had a father to have all of these broken families. And there was a lot of blacks there, and they were standing up. Represent. I mean, it was representation everywhere. And he said, I want to pray for the unity of marriages that you would stand up. And we, we started praying for God to heal marriages and to bring about strong family units again. And so, anyway, that was, that was incredible. And then Lance talking about the mountains coming down. And so we as a, a leadership are praying that the mountains in you all be fulfilled. What has God got for you? Ask him. Not just what is my spiritual gifts. What are the mountains? You, you, he may only give you one, but if you take that mountain, that's huge. You know, I thought, I don't know if we've got anyone that's got a media mountain in this area. We need it. We need media. We need, you know, we need voice to speak over things. And I'm going, Lord, raise up. Yes, and it takes education for those things. And yes, it takes going out and doing. But I'm going, God, show us how. Show us how. Look at all these youth. You're talking about one of them could change our nation. We're talking, Lord, they've got hearts that hear you already. Look what God can do. Anyway, this was at the very end. Avita King came, which is Martin Luther King's um, niece. And she came, not even invited, but to honor what was going on in that place. And I mean, she has invitations everywhere. She is a huge voice. And be right before her, Harry Jackson was the other one. And he's a huge voice for the black community. And he touched me so much. He's fought cancer for 13 years. And he's beginning to have some breakthrough. His wife got sick with cancer, too. And he heard this prophetic word, and it was she was going to dance again. And he thought that she was going to dance with him again, and she died in March. And I'm watching this man get up. And he's getting up with courage. And he said, this is not the hour to quit. If you're disillusioned with God, get over it, because he's got good things. This is the hour to rise up. And so he had the church, everybody. And he said, if you've walked through any of that, just raise your hands while well, it was everybody. And he just started praying that God would empower the church again to be strong and courageous and to move forward. I, I was so touched by that. I thought, this is a man who's carried the war. He has. So then right after he got done, 
and we were over time and all this, but right after we got done, he got done, um, Georgian wanted to pray for Alveda, I think. He invited her to come up to the stage. He was so honored she came. And, and he said, I want you to pray that I would have the heart because he has had a, the word from the Lord that child slavery is going to end in his lifetime. And he said, Lord, I'm 70 years old. How in the world is it going to happen? And, and the Lord said, because I'm going to raise up deliverers all over. It's not just going to be you. And so you know that Martin Luther King was the one that made the stand so that the blacks begin to have freedom in our nation and we could have a black president and things like that. And so, so he said, would you pray for me for that, that we would see that? And she says, oh, I'll do more than pray for you. And she began to prophesy over him. And the whole community rose up, and he, she prayed and prophesied over Georgian and Winnie that they would bring a global celebration of the end of child slavery and a place where this, because they go all over the world, that it, but, they, but the United States is what we were standing for at that point. And we got all done, and Ron and I, our mouths are open, and we're going, God, you're on the move. It's not about elections. It's about God moving. And you guys, he's, he's going to say to you the same word he's saying to me. Do you trust me? When you don't see, can you get up and say, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I'm telling you, I can't even believe that we're in the hour we're in and that I'm hearing and seeing the things I'm hearing and seeing. And you guys, thank you for sending me. Thank you for supporting me. I feel your prayers constantly. And thank you that we're a move and part of a move of God that's happening on the earth. We're going to have, uh, hey, now I'm telling you, and I didn't try. I didn't. <laughs> but I, you know, I've told, you know, people talk about their services go on and on, and I was like, I'm sensitive. We've got little ones over here. I'm sensitive to all of you. I know that it's hard when you're trying to get them to sit. I, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there <laughs> many a time. Um, saying all that, we're going to have a fire tunnel, and we ha we're going to have the school ministry be our fire tunnel. And um, Brian, I don't know. I I don't want I don't want anybody playing up here. I would like a song. That one you even had on earlier might be a, a really good one for the fire tunnel, but. You don't have to run through it today. I'm not asking you to crawl, okay, unless you really want to crawl, and then that's okay. But r the reason why I'm saying that is we really want to impart to you. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying speak words because words slow the thing down unless God gives you something really quick. But I want us to impart the strength and the courage that God has, has, has done in this hour. And so if the uh, school of ministry wants to come up, yeah, we'll start it from that side. Thank you for listening to this message. Yeah.